The Bible reading tonight comes from 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 to 12. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does God has made him out to be a liar, because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Katie. Welcome, one and all. Who's got that? Who knows what it's all about? Who'd like to preach? Okay, radio. I'll go with it. Looks like I'm stuck with it. Just a couple of things I want to talk about. First and foremost, Ben is 18 today. Something else I want to mention, Hamish is 21 on Tuesday. We've also been donated some playground equipment, which was absolutely awesome. This stuff costs tens of thousands of dollars. So we've got this awesome playground that we've been donated, but we have to go and undo it all, like um, break it down and bring it over here. We need volunteers to do that. So up on that table you can see just there in front of the missions board is a list. If you can put your name in there, the times that you're available, uh, we would love to get in contact with you and make that happen. Oh, someone put a slide up. Isn't that awesome? That's only part of it too. So uh, we're absolutely blessed to be given this. It's in very good condition and uh, this would cost us 10, 15 grand to get this. So um, to be given it is absolutely sensational. So please, if you can be involved with that, that would be awesome. Also, uh, we're serving hot chocolates tonight. Please don't go up there before 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock you can have a hot chocolate, okay? And uh, that's the way we're going to work it. So let's see how that works this evening. And we'll go from there. Uh, 1.30 next Sunday is our members meeting. If you're a member, please come along to that. Uh, it's a very important meeting. That's why I'm mentioning it. Uh, Tracy Valentine has put in an application to become the associate pastor um, for children's and families. And in my opinion, even though I'm biased, she is the most qualified person in Australia to do this work. She lectures in our Bible colleges. She goes right across Australia to give conferences and things like that. It is an incredible privilege to have someone of this calibre um, to apply um, to, for a position in our church. She will be an incredible blessing. So please be in prayer for that. And uh, 1.30 Sunday afternoon, come along and uh, be a part of that and um, hear what's said and uh, vote if you can. Uh, because only members can vote, just remember that. Alrighty, so we've got a bit to get through tonight. I don't know, uh, Pastor Darrell actually wrapped up um, 1 John this morning and I don't know how he covered all the ground that he did because I've got big issues covering what I need to cover tonight just with these few verses. So uh, we'll get into it. And uh, as we approach um, this passage that we've looked at this evening, uh, we've got to keep in mind uh, where John is coming from, what he's actually said and what is going on around him and who he has written to. So the church is obviously very young at this time. It is just in its formative years. It's still trying to find its way and things like that. Uh, it's so suffering great persecution. Um, there's so many people that are opposed to the message of the gospel. And uh, as that pressure is coming on, the 
people who are proclaiming the gospel are getting spread further and further. So ultimately, this is God's plan and the gospel message is going to the ends of the unknown earth at that time. But in amongst those people who are proclaiming the gospel message are these people who are proclaiming a message, but it is not the truth. It is not the whole gospel. There are a few twists and turns on what they're proclaiming. So for the uninitiated, it sounds like the gospel. It appears to be the gospel, but it's not. And so there's great danger in some of those messages and some of those people who are proclaiming those messages. And so John is pulling people back because John knows the truth. John was a witness uh, to all that Christ had done. He was the one who continued to proclaim Jesus as the Christ, the promised Messiah. He provided the people of the day uh, with the evidence he believed they needed in order to make a decision to follow Jesus. Holy Spirit also had an influence in that to draw people as well. But John faithfully proclaimed the message. He spoke into a world that was looking for truth, who wanted to know the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he did all that he could. And obviously, just as today, some believed and some didn't. As Riley shared, he's shared with the machinist several times and still is. And he's yet to come to faith, but he will. He's got a whole connect group praying for him, so he's done. (laughs) But seriously, it's no different today, hey? Think about your friends, think about your family, think about your colleagues at work. The vast majority of them would want to know what the truth is. And we hold that message. We know the truth. We believe that what we follow is the truth of God. But so many have been bombarded today with so much information that the truth gets lost in amongst that. And it's hard for them to filter that out and to hear what is the absolute truth. But again, we know the truth. But as we speak to these people, they want to know how we can be sure that what we say is actually the truth. How can we be confident that we're not just misled? They have more questions that they constantly ask. And they don't seem to get the answers that they want often. But we're called to stand upon our convictions. We're called to not compromise. We're called to not lose the sight of the fact that Jesus is the Christ. Last week, we saw how John called us overcomers. And in order to be overcomers, we we must know that Jesus is the Christ. We must believe that he is the promised Messiah and Saviour. And we must live that out. It has to be evident to all. And here in this passage tonight, we are called to testify to the fact that Jesus is the Christ, just as John has. Let's pray. Father God, again, uh, your word is a powerful word and I thank you so much for it. I thank you for everything that we've heard this evening. I thank you for the chair meetings, Lord, and the blessings that there have been to so many people where we hear about what you're doing in our people's lives that sit here week in, week out, Lord. And it's so great to hear how active you are in their lives. And Father, we come to this word tonight and my prayer again is that you'll touch someone's life, that you'll use this word just to draw them closer to you. That, Father, we will hear the truth of what is said. And we'll take that and apply it to our lives in order that we live closer for you, more for you, each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
If we want an idea of what John is trying to address here or what his focus is, we, we should look at what is repeated in this passage of Scripture. And if we, if we do that, um, we find that the word testify or testimony is actually mentioned eight times in these verses. So there's a good indication that that is hit the primary focus of what John is doing. He's talking about the testimony or evidence um, to the identity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what he's referring to. And so his push is that he wants us to know that Jesus is the one and only Christ. It is in the first four verses of what we've read that John focuses on the testimony of who Christ is. And even in the construction of these verses, and particularly this first verse, there's a few hints as to why John writes what he has. And uh, seriously, this verse alone, there is so much time that we could spend on here. But it's obvious that John has a problem that he's addressing here in this first verse. We can see this is the one who came in water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. So it's obvious that there's some agreement here that some people believe that Jesus came by the water, but they don't agree that he came by water and the blood. So, so what is John addressing here? Um, who knows what the water and the blood is? Yeah, you're not brave enough, are you? Yeah. So there's, there's a few different opinions as to what that is. We'll get to that in a little bit of time. So John is countering something about the blood. And, and what's that referring to anyway when we talk about the water and the blood? There's possibly three main streams um, of belief re revolving around the water and the blood. So I'll, I'll keep them as brief as possible as we go through them. Some say that this refers to the water and blood which flowed from Jesus' side when the spear was thrust into his side by the soldier uh, when he was on the cross to prove that he was dead. And as you know, when that spear was thrust in, the water and blood had separated, which indicated that he had actually died. And some people believe that's what this is referring to. Some say it is referring to the baptism of Jesus, um, the water, and then is speaking about the institution of the Lord's Supper in the blood and, and what that means and uh, the fact that um, we are to obey in baptism, we continue to do uh, the sacraments as well. And I don't believe that it's either of those things. The majority of commentators don't believe it's either of those things. And praise God, Pastor Darrell this morning said he doesn't believe those things either, which was really good. It's better for me not to go against the senior pastor if I can. So um, we're in agreement with this. So I, I think one of the main clues that we have when we consider what John is talking about is to look at who he is actually addressing in the letter. And I think that gives us a pretty big clue when we go there. So the Gnostics, who were the ones that... John was actually writing against was saying that Jesus was not fully God. He, he was a man who had Christ come upon him at the time of his baptism. And then Jesus lived his life with the influence of Christ upon him. But before he died, that was withdrawn. So the one who died was Jesus, the man. He was just a man. And so this is where that saying comes in, where it's not by the water only, it's not just the baptism that we're talking about of Jesus, it is his baptism and it is his death. He was Jesus Christ in both of those events. He was the promised Messiah. He was the Son of God, the man God that we speak about as believers here. And so John is opposing this teaching and the men who teach it. And we know, if we look back at 1 John 4, 2 and 3, he says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ 
has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and is now already in the world. So this is what John is speaking against. And remember what we said about Jesus Christ last week. Jesus means saviour, Christ means Messiah, the promised anointed one of God. And so these two words together reveals Jesus is the one who fills all the prophecies, all the things that were said in the Old Testament of Messiah, everything in the Jewish scriptures regarding the required sacrifice and consequent redemption. Jesus is God. He is the God-man. 100% God, 100% man. And I know that doesn't work with your maths, but that's the way it is. And this is what John is countering all through his letter, this letter and the other letters. So in our present reading, it seems pretty obvious that he would be referring to the fact that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, was baptized, killed on a cross, was buried and rose on the third day. And so that's what he's referring to in this verse 6. The coming of Jesus by water speaks of his baptism, the beginning of his public ministry. And we know that he lived in service of others. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, proclaimed the good news of God, performed incredible miracles. And when we look at that, when we examine that and see how many prophecies were fulfilled, it is obvious that Jesus was the Christ. But the Gnostics would agree with that. That was Jesus' baptism and his life. And they'd say, that's cool, we can agree with that. But then when he died, that, was, that changed. That's where it stopped for the Gnostics. They refused to accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross. They say the Christ bit was gone. So John, John stands up and he says, no. Jesus Christ came by water and blood. He was present at that death. He declares the Spirit testifies to the identity of Jesus on the cross. So how does that happen? Who was it that works in the miracles? Who was it that causes things to happen? This is part of the ministry of Holy Spirit. And we think about the miracles that surrounded Jesus' death, just to name a few. The darkness that came across the land. The temple veil being torn from top to bottom as Jesus died. The earthquake that shook all of Jerusalem and opened the graves of the saints. And those saints came into Jerusalem after Jesus ascended to glory. These and many other miracles fulfilled the prophecies about Messiah's death. Prophecies that were told in Old Testament times. And what John is elevating or is expressing is the need for the centrality of the cross in our faith. It wasn't just that God came in the flesh. That alone didn't give us life. It was the finished work at the cross that did that for us. John tells us that there are three who testify. I'm going to take a bit of a side... We're going to go to the side here, sorry. Because you guys have often, the younger people, sorry for those who are not privy to this, um, have often asked about the differences between our scriptures and why there's some verses added and things like that. So this is one of those occasions where we actually do have a difference, an anomaly. And so uh, when you read the King James, have I not got the King James? Man alive, I've really botched this up, haven't I?
Let me go through again. Has anyone got a King James with them? Because I thought I cut and paste that up there, but I didn't do that. No one's got a King James? That's all right. Yep, someone has? Okay, so does someone want to read out this verse, verse 7? It says, For there are three who testify. There you go. Okay, so they've added this huge section on the end about the Trinity, okay? Not in the original manuscripts. It's just not there, okay? So what happened in 1504, this guy called Erasmus, uh, he actually decided that he was going to uh, have a look at the Scriptures and he decided that he was going to put the Greek alongside the Latin Vulgate and correct anything that was incorrect in there. So he actually had them side by side and he realised that all these things had been added to the Latin Scriptures at that time and this was one of those things. So he decided at that time to leave out all of the inconsistencies and so when he did that he was challenged about leaving this out. Why was he challenged? Because it's the only place in Scripture where the Trinity is mentioned so concisely. And they really wanted that in there. Uh, but the problem was, there's no Greek manuscripts that have got it. So Erasmus thought that if he was to say, you show me a Greek manuscript that actually has this in, and I'll put it back in. Were they able to produce one? Yeah, they were. And Erasmus says the ink was still drying when they put it in front of him. True to his word though, he did put it in, he just made a footnote. Who's got footnotes in their Bibles? He made a footnote that it wasn't actually in any of the original manuscripts. And there's so many places in scripture where that's exactly what happened, where there were things that were added. So the original Greek text, none of them have that added section in there. So that's one. The King James, if you read that, obviously, it's got it in there and uh, it's one that has actually been added. But the thing is too, they had to change verse 8. Because when they add in the Trinity there, verse 8 makes no sense either. So they had to say that verse 7 was about heaven and verse 8 was about the earth. Uh, I think if those have got the King James, they read that, they'll see that in there. So um, our verse 8 says, The Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. So that's talking about verse 7 said, For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood and these three agree. That's the original Greek text. So in biblical matters, serious charges were often, uh, sorry, in biblical times, serious charges were often decided on the power of two witnesses. Um, and so two witnesses have come forward. And John is saying um, he has his testimony, and it's not just his testimony, it's supported by three other witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And so that support comes in John's account of the baptism, life and death of Jesus Christ. Well, that's what John is talking about. And he calls on the spirit, the water and the blood as his witnesses, as those who will testify. And they're again are open to interpretation. But the spirit of God is constantly testifying to the truth of the gospel. Would we agree with that? Yeah, so, uh, and the truth of that gospel message is the message that John has been proclaiming. So the Spirit does actually testify to the truth of what John has said. And when you believe and receive the gospel message, repenting of sin and receiving Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, who indwells you? Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit testifies to the truth of the message that you've received and, and you know that you have been saved. 
And I think that's a pretty strong case for the truth that has been proclaimed, that gospel message. Holy Spirit comes and indwells us. But I also believe John is saying that those who teach, you can test them. Because if they are Spirit-inspired, then everything they say will point to the cross and the finished work of Jesus on that cross. They will never deny that. And that will be the main focus of their ministry. I've just researched a very big church, a very popular church in the world. My goodness, we're having nothing more to do with them. They're preachers. They don't preach this stuff. They're more interested in an experience. And I don't believe the experience they're pursuing is one of Holy Spirit. And so when we think about Jesus' baptism, his ministry, his life, his death... And all that Holy Spirit reveals in drawing us to God, it's obvious that all of those agree. Yeah? And Holy Spirit makes that obvious to us. But the question is, how should we respond, believer and non-believer alike? It's difficult to understand John's next point if you don't readily make the connection of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, all being God. But John says, if we receive the testimony of man, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has become, that he has born concerning his Son. Who receives the testimony of men? No one. Sweet. Okay, so you, none of you are going to have a problem doing what I'm about to tell you. Tonight, as you peel out of the car park, and I do want you to peel out, so wheel spinning, don't stop when you get to the road. Just go straight out. When you get up to Gowan Road and the light's red, don't stop. Just go straight through. Go up Gowan Road as fast as you possibly can. When you get those red and blue lights behind you, don't stop. Just keep going. See how far you get before they do stop you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ros, Ros Bricknell's really worried now. It's like, what's Charlie saying? <laughs> what's the testimony and witness? The testimony and witness is you should obey the laws. And we do that every day without thinking about it. We accept the testimony of men. And this is for something on earth. This is for something that is temporary. And we worship an eternal God. And the whole point of following Jesus, the whole point of accepting him as our Lord and Saviour is so that we can have eternal life with him. So is God's testimony greater? than that of man yeah we've got to turn our belief system on its head and we've got to say you know what it's more important for me to listen to the testimony of God it's more important for me to obey him to live in obedience to him than what it is and I'm not saying become lawbreakers please don't hear me say that but it, as good as it is to follow the testimony of man it is more important to follow the testimony of God we need to listen to him. We need to engage with him. We need to put these things into practice in our life. Mind you, what I just said about screeching out of the car park and going through red lights and all that, my wife would say, that's the way Charlie already drives. I'm sure she will. It is God's divine authority and his direction behind the testimony of the water and the blood. It is God's divine authority and his love which sent Jesus to live and die, taking the punishment for us in this world. It is God through Holy Spirit who draws us to himself, revealing the truth of the gospel message to us. It is God through Holy Spirit who continues to reveal the truths of Scripture to us when we read them. All of God's witness all of his testimony, 
points to Jesus. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him, God, a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Everything God has done, everything he will do, is all about Jesus. God's desire is that all men may come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And in so doing, they will have a life eternal with Jesus and a life eternal with God the Father. And so the test is, do we believe? There is only one way to get to heaven. One way to have eternal life. And it is the way that is revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Through his birth, his baptism, his death, his resurrection and his ascension. This is the one and only truth of salvation. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the game changer. John isn't just wanting to correct some misguided teachers to defend his God. This is about each and every one of us and our eternal destiny. Our eternal life swings off who we believe Jesus to be and what we declare we believe in what he has done. To deny Jesus as the promised Messiah to deny his blood or to say that Jesus really was not the Christ is to deny the very work that gains us a right standing before our heavenly father. There is nothing and no one else who can help you if you deny that. There is no other way to obtain eternal life. We must realise we are saved through Christ and Christ alone. All that is declared about him in his word, in this word, in the Bible, is true. And we must believe everything that is declared about him and his finished work on the cross. Let's pray. Father, you are a good God. And I want to take this time to thank you again that I've been saved. It's a miracle. And you just changed my heart. You changed my life. You called me to yourself. And Lord, you've done that for so many of us sitting in this room. But Lord, there's some of us who may doubt. There's some of us who aren't there yet. I want to thank you first and foremost that they're here. But Lord, I, I really want to pray for those people. I just ask that by your grace, by your power, by Holy Spirit, 
that you'll minister to them tonight, that they'll realize the truth of this word, their desperate need for Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, he or she who has the Son has life. And Lord, if we do not have the Son of God, if we do not have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we do not have life. Father, will you drive that home to each and every one of us, refresh it in the minds of Christians who may have got stale in their faith. Lord, make it new to those who are yet to come to know you and give them a hunger and a thirst to pursue you as you stir in their hearts, Lord, that desire for truth. Father, minister to each of us. We desperately need you. challenge us to draw closer to you and Lord for the believers here tonight give us a heart for the lost give us the guts to speak about you it's the most incredible thing anyone can learn from us Lord help us to believe that and help us to want to share that Father for each of us I ask that you go with them before us this week. I ask that you strengthen us in the faith. I ask that your word will be new to us each and every day. I ask that we'll challenge and encourage our Christian brothers and sisters, that we'll pray for each other and build each other up in the faith. That, Father, we will be moved in such a mighty and powerful way to become more and more like your son each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thank you one and all for being here tonight. Uh, Please can I encourage you, hang around. Um, For those of you who don't know, we sit in small groups now and just discuss some questions. There's no right or wrong answers. It's just what God's saying to you. I encourage you to sit with people that you may not have sat with before and uh, just get to know people a little bit too. It's one of the great ways of building unity and community here. So I'll leave these up here. Please grab them. Uh, If you'd like me to pray for you, please come forward. More than happy to do that for you and with you. But uh, God bless you, say. Thank you.